We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Danny and Dusty. All right. My rock smashes your scissors. Oh, no, not these scissors, pal. What? <laughs> With the latest on the Blazers, Ducks, Beavers, and the hottest topics in sports. Hey, what's happening, Norm? It's a dog-eat-dog world, Sammy, and I'm wearing milk-bone underwear. Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080, The Fan. Hour number two, Danny and Dusty with you. Hope you're having a great Monday out there, everybody. Uh, we talked about the Beavs and their comeback win down on the farm, 28-27. If you missed that conversation, check it on the Les Schwab Tires podcast, 1080thefan.com. Uh, we start off hour number two, the Ducks, man, down in the desert, exercise the demons. Boy, they get a win in Tucson and emphatically do it. With, I think that one of the most impressive things about what this Oregon team is doing is there's like a little feeling out on the first couple of drives, but when they drop the hammer, man, after that first uh, drive, they scored on seven consecutive drives. Is that good? <laughs> it's very good. Oh. It's like they... They took what Georgia did to them week one. And applied it. And they said, all right, hey. We're just going to go ahead and do that to other teams now. But we want to do this. Now, I heard you and Dirt in the pregame. No. You guys were definitely looking for Oregon to win, but I could hear. I was I was doing some some errands. I had to run, drive around. I was like, oh, let's pop on, see how, see how the boys are doing. And I could hear there's there's just, there's a distinct amount of fear in both your voices of exercising the demons of the Arizona Wildcats and the yeah. Ducks playing in Tucson. See, in in – I don't know if it was fear just because they're that bad. It's just like this apprehension that you just sit there and you go, weird things happen down there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know there's those certain places that are, are tough to play, and I think that's one thing that Chip Kelly has done very well in his stops, whether it was at Oregon or now at UCLA. It is whatever has happened, screw it. It's not going to happen anymore. And it's not that you're not embracing the past or whatever it is, but I think that when you look at a coach and what they do as far to as part of uh, instituting their culture is mm-hmm. what they they don't don't I don't care about what has happened before we came here. What happens now moving forward is going to be the norm, well, right? Would you say that they win the day? <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> you could say that. But I think with landing in this crew. Boy, we've had a lot of questions answered over the last handful of weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think the main one that the Duck fans had was, what is Kenny Dillingham and what is Bo Nix as the quarterback? Boy, Dillingham as a play caller has been lights out. He, We, we talked about this the other day. Well, what, what, his, what he's kind of becoming or what he at least shows to me is he's really good at finding that scab 
and just picking every corner of it. Yeah. And then once he tears it off, it just yes, I use a scab as a, as an analogy here because mm-hmm. that's what I think that he does. Is he's like, hey, you you've got a little something here. Let me go ahead and pick at this for a little while. I'm going to go here. Then I'm going to try this side. Then I'm going to try this side. Then I'm going to try this side. And then when I finally find it, I'm going to tear that damn thing off, and we're going to run for over 300 yards. It was the last time I scored 49 points without a passing touchdown. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's a great question. What, I mean, how do you have – they had 580 yards of total offense. 500 yards for third straight game, which is in, in conference play. Is good. Now – Let's let's be honest here. We're not playing against you know Utah's defense or UCLA's defense or heck even USC's defense right now. But anytime, I, I think that when you put up these crooked numbers on the scoreboard like they are and in the stat sheet like they are, you kind of become numb to it. That is fifteen hundred yards of total offense in three football games. Over it, I mean, you're over sixteen hundred yards, uh, closer to seventeen or eighteen hundred yards in those three football and games. You had seven rushing. Touchdowns in a game. Granted, this may be the second worst rush defense in the country. Better only, They're bad, Bob. Better only than Colorado's. Yeah. But that's the whole point. You you took advantage of what they're giving you, and instead of trying to force the action with Bo Nix throwing the ball, they said, "Why would we throw the ball yeah. when we can have Whittington uh, run for ninety-two, Bo Nix run for seventy, Jordan James run for seventy, Bucky Irving run for seventy, like?" Why? Why Why try to do anything different when you don't have to? And I, I have a feeling, though, and that's a, that, those are, that's a fantastic point in that, hey, this is who we are. Heck, you even had uh, Maliki Motavao who had a rushing touchdown. You had your tight end, which that may be the most terrifying fly sweep ever because <laughs> you're sitting there and you're looking at the number eight come around the edge. You're like, what the heck is going on here? And he just turns the corner and levels a linebacker and falls into the end zone. <laughs> But do what you do. And we talked about this early in the week last week, right? The identity of Oregon State and Oregon in, in the last week's games, and they kind of played out with, with the running games, is Oregon just take what you do and don't try to be anything different. Don't get Pound cute. the ball down their throat. And Nick, they did. Nick's threw for 25 times, but like he wasn't airing it out. No. Well, but they still had some big – it was they, good they, to see they, Chris Hudson have a, big, yep. uh, have a big play and kind of unlock him a little bit. Um, explosives are becoming more and more prominent and prevalent. You, you're getting 20-yard gains, but you're not having to rely on those on those big throws. And Bonix played within himself yet again. Like that's another thing about this Oregon team is you had your quarterback who has had these question marks. Now, as he gets his confidence rolling, okay, can you stack these up? in games that are going to be tighter. When things tighten up, are you still going to get that same Bo Nix, right? He's done it at home. We talked about his game, his home and road splits that he's had over his career, which we have a massive sample size leading into that Washington State game. He has exercised a lot of those demons, man. And it didn't help his touchdown-to-interception ratio in this one, because, but he didn't throw any picks, but he didn't throw any touchdowns it, either. It does, it does help it on the average. <laughs> you get another game played where you don't have any picks in there. I'll tell you what, though. The thing that I came away from that Arizona game with is the developments on the defensive side of the football. This is still not going to be a team that is going to rack up the sacks. They have, they had two sacks on what 42 attempt, 42 dropbacks was it? Not a ton of pressure. Or 45 dropbacks I think it was. Um you're not going to you're not going to have the elite pass rush and I think we saw 
with what Kayvon Thibodeau, when when the rubber met the road in his NFL debut against Aaron Rodgers, right? He turned the corner and he made a difference for the New York Giants on that knockdowns, pressures on that third down. He on that third down late in the game, he turned the corner and he may not have gotten a sack. Aaron Rodgers was not comfortable though, and he made Aaron Rodgers move. And you're not gonna you don't have that guy. You don't have any anybody anywhere close. This team is bending, but they're not going to break. And what they're doing is taking away what the opposing offense does best, right? You, you, they, may, they may give up some points every now and then, but Jacob Cowling had a streak of three straight games with 100 yards receiving, right? You had back-to-back games where Arizona has had two receivers over 100 yards. And make no mistake, that team went after Triquiz Bridges on the very first play. And they, they came back to it. And then Oregon said, all right, we're going to put Christian Gonzalez, we're going to flip Christian Gonzalez onto Cowing, and they went right at him then, and Gonzalez delivered a blow on Jacob Cowing and said, today's not going to be the day. They broke the streak that they that Arizona was kind of hanging their hat on, that we're going to have a 100-yard receiver every game. Cowing had six catches for 77 yards. Singer, the third leading receiver in the conference, had 56 yards receiving on only three catches. And Tetrarola McMillan, the five-star wide receiver that at one point it was down to Oregon and Arizona, he ended up with five catches but only 48 yards. It kept him in front of him, right? And that's the thing with Arizona is you have to – if you're going to get – I was going to say when you talk about the defense, the, the big thing for me was that the Ducks were sure tacklers for the first time in, in, in weeks. Um, and you get Justin Flo back out there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, limping and hair on fire. Like he's, he, like he may have a screw or two loose up there. But you know what? That's what you want from a linebacker. I like that from a linebacker. That that, that tracks for for a linebacker. I'm not going to lie. But I, I thought again, the Ducks just aren't going. They're not a pressure team. Yeah, defensively they are not a pressure team. They are a bend don't break. They are going to plug holes. That's one thing I think they do do better than they have in years. Is they do plug the interior better than yeah. they have in a while. Um Beyond that, which is difficult, you you, yeah. do, you do have to give this Ducks team credit because to be successful without a pass rush, without putting pressure consistently, is pretty impressive. But yeah. when you consider how college football is played nowadays, especially a team like Arizona, who's going to drop back forty four times. Okay, you mentioned the stat, and I knew that I had it somewhere uh, in there. I don't have the five hundred yards of total offense, but I do have this stat. Zero passing touchdowns, right? Mm-hmm. It was the first time since no, uh, excuse me, September seventh of nineteen ninety six against Nevada that they scored forty or more points without a touchdown pass. It is the most points on record, the forty nine, without uh, a single passing touchdown in college football. No, for Oregon. Okay, for Oregon. So it is. That's what I'm saying. Forty nine points in zero. Passing. Passing touchdowns, Oregon hasn't done it before. No, that's what I was saying. The, the fact that they were able to do this was yeah. impressive. September 7th, 1996, I don't know how many points they scored, but it wasn't 49. Is that, that was the last time Oregon scored 40 or more points without a passing touchdown. They did it with 49 against Arizona this past weekend, seven rushing touchdowns. Kind of paints the picture and how dominant they were on the ground. Yeah, how dominant they were on the ground. And uh, I'll add this little nugget to it as well. They created turnovers, and they're starting to create more, right? They were they were absent through the first three weeks of the year. Uh, I think they only had two turnovers in the first three games of the year. They have six in the last three, including three against Arizona. 
if you can create turnovers with an offense as potent as they have, that's when you become a dangerous team. And the pollster is starting to give Oregon a little bit more credit again as they are the highest-ranked one-loss team in all the land. So, Not too shabby. That's not bad. Not too shabby. And that, that's actually a little bit of credit to the, the Pac-12 as well because prior to this week, I, I believe Utah was the highest-ranked one-loss team. Now, now Oregon kind of takes that mantle. 503-250-1080. That's a fan text line. Ducks have a bye this week. Their next op- opponent could be that team. Danny Dusty on the fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Danny and Dusty on the fan. UCLA did it again, uh, coming off a really impressive win over the Washington Huskies um, a week ago. They hosted the then 11th ranked Utah Utes at the Rose Bowl with some fans there. Some. Maybe. It was actually a decent enough showing now that they tarp off like 60,000 seats in the Rose Bowl. But uh, 42... To 32, the UCLA Bruins improved to 6-0 and uh, on this season. They are undefeated, and they jumped in the polls all the way up to 11th. Mm-hmm. And Dorian Thompson-Robinson did it again. I mean, 18 of 23, 299 yards, four touchdowns through the air. And a very dumb interception. Uh, yeah, at the end of the game, <laughs> which, boy, that's a whole thing. When you've got, what was it? They had like what a minute and a half, maybe, or was it less than that? It was like thirty seconds left. Thirty seconds to go. They were throwing the ball on fourth down. DTR throws a pick, and Clark Phillips, uh, Oregon State fans very familiar with him, he had a pick six at the end of the game to make it look more respectful. It was forty-two to twenty-five. Yeah, you had I think two plays that kind of changed the the scoreline. Utah was marching in the third quarter. Cam Rising came to life in the second half and single-handedly got Utah back in this game. And then uh, UCLA just dropped a bomb, and, and, and Rising got a fumble. They, they scoop and score, and that kind of decided the momentum of the game. Yeah. It was just too much, too little time. Uh, obviously, Phillips gets the, uh, the pick six to make it look a bit more respectable, but that what could have been a 14-point swing, because I'll be honest, Utah looked like they were marching on that drive. They, they were going down. It looked like they were going to go score. Yep. And for UCLA to not only get the turnover to stop, but to scoop it and get it in the end zone. Oh, I'm sorry. To, to the one-yard one line. Yard line. And then punch it in on the next play. That was just like, that's it. That's that 14-point swing. And you talk yep. about those 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 percentage plays in the game. That was the play that just said, that's it. That's how this thing's going to go. That game really felt like a, a prize fight from the beginning where they mm-hmm. were kind of feeling each other out on the first few drives. You had, you know, was UCLA scored – after the Cam Rising interception in the to end the first quarter, mm-hmm. like it was just like, 
okay, we're going to, these two teams are feeling each other out. And then at the break, uh, it was what, 17 10 or 14 10? 14, yeah. yeah. Uh, UCLA. 10 7, and then UCLA scored before the half. This is why, you know, like you have two very well coached teams, right? Kyle Whittingham, Chip Kelly. Coming out of the break, those two teams looked electric yep. out of the break. I mean, they went touchdown. They, they swapped five straight drives with a touchdown. <laughs> five straight drives. They scored, those two teams scored to start the second half, and you were like, yes. And it felt like Utah was on their way to make it six before that fumble. This is really good football that we have have playing there. And when Chip Kelly's offense is is humming like they are, up front, he's got Maulers finally. Like, he's got Maulers on both sides of the ball. I don't know what the dude's name is, but uh, I'm totally forgetting the kid's name. Number 58 in the middle, their defensive Uh, tackle. He's enormous, and it go like you go back to the days of uh, of Chip Kelly at Oregon when they played Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, and he was looking at those Ohio State guys that first Rose Bowl, and he was like, "Yeah, those are the guys that we that we want to get." He's got them, and Chip is not a dynamic recruiter; he's not a great recruiter. But Chip Kelly can do one thing: he can develop talent. He has a track record of doing it at Oregon and UCLA. But what he can do now with the transfer portal is sit there and he looks at these guys and says, hey, I can I can maximize your potential. Come here, and we're going to do it. And he's doing it to amazing results uh, with, with UCLA. Firing his staff, making him get out of his comfort zone, getting rid of Jerry Azanaro, and having to hire outside of his little trust tree, that has paid dividends for UCLA. This team is legit. The chip in the chip in the transfer portal, getting these guys and continuing to develop as he has been, that could be a scary thing moving forward for that UCLA program. I guess the Big Ten potentially, unless they have Gavin Newsom has the roadblocks and make sure the UCLA doesn't leave. But for the Big Ten, watch out. It, chip Chip has found a little recipe that he he really likes in in Westwood. No, listen, chip doesn't like to talk about the fact that they're a transfer portal school. No, they, they they put up their social media put up the transfer you and he got mad and scathed and chastised the social media department. Like, Own it, which yeah, like it's not a problem. Like USC's USC's the transfer portal school. They literally they they imported their entire offense no. and they they aren't fighting against it. Embrace it. It's where it's where college football is going. Uh, Gary Smith the third is the guy you're talking about. Yeah, three. he is a plug. He's he's listed at six two three twenty, and it's hilarious. He's about three fifty three sixty. He is fun but, to watch. And though. the best part about it is he's Shelbyville, Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> oh of yeah. He is, yeah, of course he is, a hundred percent. And the other guy on the other side of the ball is Raekwon O'Neal. He is the guy that like he is their left tackle. He's like six five three forty. He's a monster human, and he's who keep who keeps DTR clean. And that's like, DTR is a guy historically his his problems have been decision making and holding on onto the ball too long. Well, O'Neal makes it so he can hold on to the ball a little bit longer. A uh, Rutgers transfer, by the way. Yeah, he I mean, smart smart guy. It's smart and massive. Yep. Um, but more than anything that comes out of this, Charbonneau is a dude. Yeah, he is a. It should be Charbonneau. Charbonneau. Yeah, Charbonneau is an is a golf course. It's also around the corner from me. Um, but he is a runner. My goodness. Yeah. Another he, transfer. Uh, exactly. And this is kind of my point. It's like, you start going down the list here. 
the big thing, obviously, is DTR is in his fifth year with the same offensive coordinator and the same head coach. Mm. There have been zero changes on those two fronts. No. No. You cannot say that about a single quarterback in the country besides him. You know, having Jake Bobo there who just like he might maybe like one of the he's he's reminds me of one of the guys that should have played at Stanford like in 2012, right? Mm-hmm. When the, you had like Shane Scove and Trent Murphy and you had that that stable of tight ends with uh what what was it? You had Zach Ertz and who was the 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 big uh, Polynesian tight end oh, that they had? God, yeah, uh, that's I want to say Lavasier Tune, but he played at Oregon. Um, Toy Lolo, yeah, yes. yeah, Toy Lolo, Levine Toy Lolo, Levine Toy Lolo. Like he feels like one of those guys where you know he went to Duke, so you know he's smart. Like that guy should have been. And I went and I was like reading up on him. By the way, his both of his parents went to like Dartmouth and were elite athletes, and, like, his entire family are these ridiculously smart people. Like, he has, a, like, an aunt or a sister that played hockey at Harvard or something. Like, he has this ridiculously smart lineage, and then you look at him and you say, that guy looks like a, just a big old meathead. He's a smart meathead, and that's what Stanford was dominating with. And Jake Bobo is dominating right now at UCLA. I just noticed Gary Smith III, also a Duke transfer. There so, you go. So Chip went and got him some, some, some smart meatheads. Yeah, and that's what that is that's exactly the recipe that they need if they are going to It is pretty pop. funny. If you look at their transfers, Harvard, USC, USC, Oregon, Duke. Well, there's Hawaii. There's the other one there, but Notre Dame. Well, they got the Duke. twins, the twins from North Texas there, the pass rushers too. Uh the what are the Murphy twins? And and, and Charbonnet is a Michigan transfer. Like yep. you start going through this, they're their transfers are almost almost entirely yep. high prestige universities. Yep. I mean, he clearly targeted guys that have brains. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm being honest. Facts are facts. I just you you like Duke is not a school you just get into. No, no, and they, they were talking about that on the broadcast that Chip Kelly had a, had a long conversation with David Cutcliffe uh, about Bobo. And uh, Cuddy no, no longer being there, and he was just like, "Yep, take him, man. <laughs> He's going to be a good one for you." And it's paid dividends. It Chip's team is physical. We like you think of Chip Kelly, and you think of the spread, and you think of what was the downfall of Oregon's teams with Chip, and people get caught up in that trap. But it's just not true anymore. His team is physical. They are dominating on the line of scrimmage on both sides. They are stout up front. They are a problem. They they fit the profile. I said this on Friday. They fit the profile of a team that beats Utah, that gives Utah problems, and they did. And they did it convincingly in the Rose Bowl. That's, and all this sets up, kick time was announced, 12.30, Oregon, UCLA, both teams coming off of a bye. It's going to be an Otson. I would not be shocked one bit. The game's going to be on Fox. I wouldn't be surprised one bit because they've done this before in previous weeks. If both Big Noon Kick and College Game Day are in Eugene on Saturday, because Ooh. it is going to be the biggest game in college football. If you look at the, um, if you look at the games that are happening this weekend, you've got two top ten matchups this week in college football. Mm-hmm. Oregon and UCLA are right on the outside looking in of the top ten. So they, this could be a top ten matchup as we head into next week because both teams have a bye. And they have two weeks to prepare for each other. 
This should be exciting for college football fans. You're going to have two coaching staffs that have proved themselves, and you have two teams that have have obviously gotten up for Oregon, getting up off the mat after losing to Georgia. And for UCLA, they went through a patty cake schedule. People criticized them. They go and they smack Utah in the mouth. This is going to be a fun game next week in Autzen Stadium between UCLA and Oregon. And here's the thing. If you're looking for a a potential uh, top-ten matchup between the two of them, Penn State plays Michigan. That's number 10 versus number 5. Oklahoma State, number 8, plays number 13, TCU. Number 3, Alabama, plays number 6, Tennessee. There Mm -hmm. are at least three teams with a viable chance of being in the the top 10 of losing. Yeah, the one that could throw a wrinkle in that is if TCU does win, they'll probably jump on both and get up there because they're undefeated and still ranked behind Oregon. But something tells me Sonny Dykes' team is going to... Get a little bit of love. They're gonna run. Well, they're gonna run into a, a, a tough one uh, when I think they have to go to Stillwater, right? No, at Fort Worth. Oh, it is. Yep. Well, oh, never mind then. Um, but Oklahoma State, good. They're, they're pretty good this year. They're pretty good. Uh, the, the two teams that I did not expect to be as good as they they have been this year. We talked about Oklahoma State early in the season with them, to, you know, taking on a Pac-12 opponent. I was like, ah, their offense is good. I don't know about the rest, but them, them in Tennessee. Mm. Tennessee, Tennessee looks scary good. Yeah. And they got see, but the SEC does this. The SEC they, they, they got LSU. This LSU was not a top twenty-five team. They snuck in at twenty-fifth, and they got house absolutely. Bumped. And now everybody's like, "Look, Tennessee, top twenty-five win over LSU. They were ranked twenty-fifth. Did they really deserve to be twenty-fifth? Probably not. Probably not. But then they get their come to Jesus moment with Alabama this bam- week. But I mean, this Tennessee team has beaten Pitt, Florida, and LSU. Yep. It's not exactly. Okay. A- Murderers row, but like that's not an easy schedule. Yeah, it's three better wins than a lot of Pac-12 teams have. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, and, they, and they've handled their business. So. Sure have. Sure have. 503-250-1080. Time to get to it. The worst day on the web. Do you even work out, bro? Obviously not. Here's Rust with Sports Center. Time for today's worst day on the web with Danny and Dusty on Odyssey and 1080 The Fan. Oh, really? (sighs) All right, it is time for the worst day on the web. We had had, uh, multiple contestants. Yeah, we, we actually did. We out of the weekend, but I think there's one clear... Uh... Can I have a late uh, nomination for a nominee for uh, a close but no cigar? In uh, the Seahawks punter, was it Dixon? Mm-hmm. What was he thinking? Like, it, it would have been close on that punt where it was like fourth down, and it was like, are you really going to try to turn the corner? And it would have been close to where... I don't know if he tries to kick if that guy who's coming like on the backside would have been able to get to it. Mm-hmm. But your choice to tuck it and run, no bueno. And the internet hated him for it. I mean, how many? <laughs> unless you're Pat McAfee, yeah, you're not an athlete. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, there's only there's only so yeah. many punter athletes that are out there right the, now. The old guy for the uh, Jets and Giants who was just yoked. What, what was his name? Uh, Steve Weatherford? Yes. Yeah, he was jacked. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a few punter athletes out there, but not all of them can be Pat McAfee. Yeah. That's all I'll say. Yeah, but that he gets a clo- he gets an honorable mention for worst day on the web. The winner is very clear. The though. winner is very clear. Uh, Yankees pitcher Aroldis Chapman 
Uh, he's had a rough couple of months in the yeah. sense of like he just like I don't know if it's the yips or he just couldn't hit his spots or little injuries here or there. It's just been injuries here or there. He was put on the injured list for two weeks for getting a tattoo that got infected. Well, that was stupidity. <laughs> and their their GM and uh, Brian Cashman has said that they uh, typically. Uh, ask their players to not get tattoos in season specifically uh, for this reason because you can't work out and when you do when you get a tattoo if you get it sweaty and gross it gets affected that happens more often than you'd think uh but that's why you don't do it in their season now there was a chance that he may not be included in the postseason roster yeah so yankees pitcher Roland chapman said if he would attend the, he said he would attend the mandatory workouts that were the yankees were having if he was definitely going to be on their postseason roster the yankees could not give him that so Chapman decided to stay home in Miami. The Yankees told him to stay there. So he missed workouts because they were going to have discussions about the postseason roster. Uh-huh. Let's, let's, so he's been inconsistent this year. Uh-huh. He can still throw like a bajillion miles an hour. But he's been inconsistent and hasn't been great. He's 34 years old. And, oh, by the way, he also had to miss a half of a month in August into September. Because he's a dummy. Because he got a tattoo, and then he was like, "If you don't give me, if you don't promise me, I'll be on the team. I won't come." Uh huh. That's stupid. Uh huh. And he should be. This is justifiably so. Him getting absolutely dragged for this, because this is how guys' careers end, right? You're inconsistent. You're not taking it seriously, and then you want assurances. Bye. Bye. It's. I find it interesting that the Yankees were willing to do this because it's not like they exactly have uh, all of the bullpen arms known to man. Very true. And on the off chance that the guy, the guy that does throw 103 is available, hmm? yeah. no, not going to do it. Well, they've got other questions that are up in the air because I saw that uh, Matt Carpenter is going to be on their on their roster. Mm-hmm. Their uh, Adam uh, Andrew Benintendi is going to be like. Maybe not the divisional series, but if they make it to the championship series, maybe he'll be available then. Well, the good news he is he has surgery. Well, the good news is for him is that the, the Blue Jays are out of the playoffs, <laughs> so they don't have to worry about traveling anymore. The well, the, they lifted those restrictions recently. Oh, in Canada. that's right, they did lift them. So yeah, that has been an issue for them. Yeah. Oh, Ben Intendi. Yankees did have a couple players on that list. Oh my goodness! But Araldis Chapman. Come on, man. I mean, they're going to work out. And then Yankee fans of all fan bases, they're not going to. This is, will not settle well, well with the them. Well, the funny thing is, is that Yankee fans, like, this is the straw that broke the Campbell's back. It's like, I don't know, guys. Maybe the criminal charges were probably the thing you should have been frustrated about in the first place. <laughs> oh, wh- why by what do you mean? Oh, <laughs> you mean, what was it? Discharge? Didn't he have the uh, discharging of a gun in like a garage or something too as like a, a menacing charge or yeah something i like mean that? he had a, a lot of of actual stuff you don't want around your team oh man all right well worst day on the web it goes to you araldis chapman coming up next let's talk a little postseason because that's Sodo mojo it seems to be back after the Whee! Mariners win the wild card, and they now head to Houston for the Divisional Round Series. Danny Dusty on the fan. Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080, the fan. One more right here. Galilee, here's the 
Perfect. So the way he's swinging the line, driving the right field. Down the line and toward the corner of base hit. Calbian waved around third. He'll score. Frazier in it second with a two-out RBI double. Claps his hands. And the Mariners, for the first time in the ballgame, have a 10-9 miraculous lead here in the top of the ninth inning. Holy smokes. Adam Frazier comes through in the clutch. His third base hit is an RBI double, giving the Mariners a lead here in the top of the ninth inning. And you betcha this crowd here in Toronto is absolutely shocked. That was Rick Riz on the call for the M's Radio Network. Uh, uh, dare I say Rick Riz is very metal? Like, it, this actually worked yeah, with that call over the top. <laughs> Never in a million years did I think that... Rick Riz and some soil would be metal. Wow. Yeah. Now I didn't know we need that. Yeah, like, no. Mariners win. The Mariners win. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's exactly what we do. Do that to me one more time. Yes, exactly. Uh, Next time Cal Raleigh hits a home run, big dumper, I need do that to me one more time. Man. Yeah. Cal Raleigh has become like the rally champ. Can we just talk about the awesomeness of the nickname that is the Big Dumper? You know what? Because Seattle leaned into it as opposed to South Carolina. That's why. Mm-hmm. Lean into good nicknames. Yeah, I like that too. I like that too. Uh, Big Dumper is fantastic. And look, if you're going to have that nickname, you've got to be a catcher, right? Because he's just squatting the whole day, right? That's how you get it. You get you get the big you get the big dumper because know, you're Buster doing Posey. squats all day long. I don't know. You're not gonna yeah. You're not gonna have a shortstop with a big dumper nickname. No, you're not. But no, I think you're not. There's been some skinny butt catchers, man. Yeah. Buster Posey was Mr. Flatback. He's got that 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 thick. Now Yadi Molina, that's a big dumper. He's, he's got a big dumper too. Yeah, Salvador Perez. Oh, big dumper. Big dumper. All right, and that's uh, that's dumper talk. Talking butts, but. Uh, Cal Raleigh, he actually, if you want to go back to it, when the Mariners are down 9-5 to five in the eighth inning. And you're kind of like, okay. He's he's the one that kind of jump-started that, the big rally that took the lead. Uh, because he knocked in Suarez there. And then after that, it was, look, they got the bases loaded. When two guys collide like you had Dante Bichette Jr. and George Springer do, it's one of those ones where there isn't a Mariner fan in the world that's apologizing for that. But you're also at the same time looking at it going, man, the, you saw Springer just lay out, head goes right into the forearm of Bichette, and I thought he was knocked out cold. It looked like he was knocked out cold sitting there in the field. Mm-hmm. But... As you have uh, J.P. Crawford roll into second, base is clear on that little bloop action. That was the game. Like, that was it. That's when the wind went completely out of the sails of the Blue Jays because, look, as an Astros fan, I know what those Blue Jay fans were looking forward to was a Springer dinger in, in the ninth inning. That is it. That's what Springer does, man. And he was supposed to come. They were going to reset the lineup at the top of the in the ninth inning, and then you were going to have Springer and and Bichette, and that was brutal. Yeah, when that happens, you're if you're a neutral or or a Mariners fan, 
you're watching that like, oh, please be okay. But you're also like waving your arm as a third base coach, like, go, 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 go. Please be, please be okay. Go, Mm -hmm. go. And it's just kind of a, to have a meltdown. And we, I still don't understand. Baseball has seemingly existed forever. Mm-hmm. They go back into 2000 BC. I know that's not true. I'm, I'm, if folks, I'm going over the top here. Uh, how many games have they played in the postseason? Thousands, tens of thousands, tens of thousands. How is a yeah. seven-run deficit the second biggest comeback in postseason history? How is that possible? That's a great point. You would like, think that there would be one. There'd be like one insane yeah. 10, 12, 11, yeah. something. Like you, seven. You know what the post, Major League Baseball postseason has never seen before? Oh, did you come back? No. Mariners versus Blue Jays in the postseason. Oh. Because those two, there's two teams that are going to get drunk and get wild in the postseason. It's the Mariners and the Blue Jays. Yeah. And it happened. I, I would, that, was, that is a stunning stat. That that's the second largest comeback. In postseason history, it was incredible, though. Like, oh, it was nuts. And I, when the energy happens, uh, it, when when those sorts of plays happen, and you're just like, "There it is. That's it. That's the game." And the Mariners have they they've been like this all season long, though. They've that's, had that mark of of that team. If you're a Mariners fan, the the biggest sign of optimism is you're going up against the Astros, which you've had troubles with uh, really all season long. I think they took twelve out of twelve out of nineteen mm-hmm. games. Um, in the season series, they're getting, they're healthy, they're rested, their arms are going to be going. It's the fact that what happened in the regular season has translated to that wild card the round. The mojo is continuing. They, the worst thing that you could have is, and we heard about this at the end of the regular season, right? Which was they're pressing too much. They they were pressing and they were kind of clinching. And you're like, uh-oh, that could be bad when you get to the postseason. They didn't clinch. They didn't blink Come postseason time, they were in a deficit, and they knew they they knew within themselves that they could get themselves out of it, and they did it in both of those games that they they got up in Toronto. Man, they showed guts, and that is great to see. You showed you showed resilience in two different ways against the Toronto Blue Jays, and you, as a Mariners fan, that's got to give you a ton of confidence heading into this uh, divisional series because. Look, there is an element of rest versus rust, and a lot of these teams just may want to keep on going, maybe not have as long of a break as, as Houston had uh, before they get a team that's playing with a ton of confidence heading into Minute Maid tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, as Mr. Astro, are you yeah. worried? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's postseason baseball. Like Nobody should be overly confident no matter who you're playing. Like This is what happens is Yankee fan – is always like overly confident, and when they inevitably lose before their expectations are, then they get crushed for it. You should be – look, the Mariners are in the postseason for a reason. They're really damn good, and they are finding that rhythm. And hot teams are scary, and the Mariners are playing hot right now. And that is scary because you don't want to play – you don't want to play the hottest team. Like this is, it's all about like when you're peaking. Are you peaking mm-hmm. at the right time? Like Houston's playing really good baseball, and they have all season long, 106 wins. They've they played lights out all season long. But when you get one of those teams that comes streaking in, and they're just like, I, I don't know, are we even supposed to be here? And they're playing hot like the Mariners are. Hell yeah, that's a scary team. Just as Mar- the the, the uh, New York Yankees should be worried about the Cleveland Guardians coming in because the Guardians. They played the most ridiculous series ever where the Mariners scored, what, seven un- – un- or uh, they erased a seven-run deficit by scoring, what, eight or nine runs? 
but they erase a massive hole. The Guardians didn't allow a run in 15 innings. Is that good? <laughs> Odd. It's, they shut down the Rays. I love postseason baseball and hockey for two very different reasons that come back to the same thing. You cannot replicate in basketball or football the hot team like mm-hmm. you can in, in in baseball. You get a hot bat and a hot pitcher. Yep. And you can get on, on either side, and it can be anybody. It could be Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, mm-hmm. or it could be, you know, your could be Luis Castillo for good yeah. goodness sakes for the Mariners it, right now. It could be it can be literally anyone who yeah. gets hot. Hockey, a goalie gets hot. They can win you games. They can win you series. They can win you titles. I, I will go back for for me, the L.A. Kings. Jonathan Quick was the most insane goalie maybe in NHL history in 2013. Yeah. Wings the Kings a cup. That is the thing about baseball that I love is that you can get a pitcher. Hell, we we talked about uh, Rust in his in his uh, update. Verlander on six days rest is basically a god. Yeah. And if you uh, let's say the 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 Astros are gonna are gonna get into it again. You take care of the Mariners early, and you get him on a rest schedule, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden now Verlander goes out there and goes four and zero in the postseason with like a point six two ERA. He's good. Well, he, those are the kind of things that I, I love about baseball. Well, and you have it's a matchup game, and the, the one thing I think is really cool about the divisional series right now is that you have three of the four series are divisional matchups and divisional rivals. You've got the Phillies, which they just finally gave Rob Thompson. Uh, who is their interim manager? Remember, Joe Girardi was the skipper of the Phillies, and he got fired. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah, <laughs> they gave him uh, the full time gig for two years. Uh, after and they play the Braves, mm-hmm. you have the Astros and Mariners playing, and then the Padres and the Dodgers playing. The only one that isn't is Guardians and Yankees. So, like, you have three divisional matchups. So, Logan Gilbert, very familiar with Houston, and actually really damn good against Houston this year, and he's the projected game one starter. So that's tomorrow, by the way, I, I'm, on nine ten a.m. I love all these matchups. I think they worked It'll be out. Fun. I think they all worked out to be like the best possible matchups that we're going to come out of these series. Yep, five zero three two five zero ten eighty. If only somebody would have seen Jolly Old London Town not being good for Aaron Rodgers in the pack. Mm. Danny Dusty on the fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.